radio personality, Deborah Honeycutt, revealing stories from the red carpet to parenthood, all on three hours of sleep. Doctors recommend eight hours of sleep nightly for proper brain function. Anything less can cause malfunction. And now, here's your host, Deborah Honeycutt. So welcome. Thank you for being here. It is uh, episode four. This episode is titled Things We Don't Talk About. Probably a good reason we don't talk about these things. And for this episode, this is Jim, a neighbor who actually lives in my neighborhood. And I became friends with his wife years ago. Jim, I was trying to think of how long it's been. Do you know? Probably about 12 years, I would guess. I appreciate you um, being a little self-deprecating here and poking some fun at yourself because some of these things are serious for you. The show is titled Things We Don't Talk About. To give you an example, I know my younger sister does not like to see her husband or anyone for that matter, brush their teeth. That's a thing for her. We all have something like that. You know, for me, I don't like to sit in restaurant booths. I've made that known since, you know, day one when I started being in radio. And there's something about the food crumbs in the booth. There's something about the the rips and the cushions. It grosses me out. That's my thing. And I think you have maybe a few things on your list, right, Jim? I do. (laughs) So this one would be, I would say, at the top of your list. Why you won't drink milk when you travel. Because you you do drink milk. You'll drink it at home, but you won't drink it on the road. Is that correct? That is correct. And I would not drink it at your house or (laughs) anyone else's house. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. I thought it was just out of town. No, no. It's a whole thing with me. I don't know why. And I don't drink as much milk as I used to. I used to drink milk at all the meals and all of that. I travel extensively for my job. And the only way I would even entertain drinking milk on the road or at someone else's house is if it was fresh. Uh, you just open a gallon of milk at your home or, you know, the old uh, school cartons, uh, little half pints or whatever they are of, of milk. Where you're opening it, the container. Where I am opening and controlling the entire aspect of the consumption of milk. And But I would really prefer not to even drink milk when I'm on the road or at someone else's house. And okay, it, so, it, so go into why. I, I don't know why. Um, I've never had a bad experience. It's just for some reason, like when milk spoils, it's disgusting, obviously. Curdles. And I guess I'm always fearful that I'm going to get um, spoiled milk. But I'm, I mean, it's to the point that, you know, if we were out somewhere and you had a beer in a bottle and it was a different type of beer or whatever, and you're like, do you want to try this? I would have no trouble drinking a sip of beer out of a bottle that you or, or someone else, my wife, my kids, have been drinking out of. You risk getting backwash from somebody else. So why is that not a, a big That's deal? That's okay with me because it's <laughs> not milk. I, I don't know. So, um, but like to the point that if, if I was having a glass of milk and my wife took a drink of it, I would have to throw it out. I wouldn't drink well, it after my wife took a sip. But that makes no sense to me. It didn't curdle in 10 seconds. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. It's just one of those things that I can't get beyond with milk. And do you remember this being an issue for, you know, most of your adult life? No. Oh, oh, for my adult life. Yes. I don't know when it began, but definitely for my adult life, it has been a thing with me. Okay. We're joined by my guest and dear friend, Jim. And uh, you said you travel a lot for work. You've mentioned in the past that an example of you not being able to drink this milk would be, you know, you walking into the concierge room at the hotel. I've seen it where it's in a carafe and it's usually sitting on a bucket of ice. That's not good enough for you because you don't oh, know how long it's. Be... No way. No, no. I mean, that like makes me shiver just thinking of that. Really? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Do your kids know that this is an issue? You have two yes. adult grown boys, young men, and they know this is a thing for you. Absolutely. Yes. I love that if you're at my house, you would need to see me open the gallon of milk or heck, I guess we could bring a, a cow out back. <laughs> I mean, that's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Not pasteurized. Oh. Fresh. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's a big one. I think it's interesting. I actually think it's reasonable until you bring up the beer example, because that's, that's almost, I think more gross. Yeah. And I, again, I don't know why it's just a milk thing. Um, okay. It could be any water, any other liquid would be fine. It's just sure. milk for some reason, just big, no share, no unknown origin consumption for me. You talk about, <laughs> you talk about milk sitting out for too long of a time. What if you've had a party and the pizza didn't get put away? Would you eat a piece of, of pizza that set out overnight? No. What about other food in general? It's just milk. Just milk. Yep. Again, if my wife took a bite of pizza or wanted me to try something and put it on her fork and handed her fork to me, totally fine. Okay. So you have a couple of other things that I, I would say you are, is rigid a good word to use? You're rigid about these uh, other items? Potentially structured, rigid. Sure. Okay. You know, structured sounds so much better. <laughs> <laughs> structured almost sounds like a positive, you know? Um, and one of those would be timeliness. Yes. Tell me about that. So uh, in my opinion, if you are not five minutes early, uh, you're late. Um, and and I have several folks that work for me in my job. And as we hire new folks, they tell them that I have two quirks. Um, and one of them is, is being on time for you know, phone calls or Zoom meetings or whatever they may be. And the other is um, red squiggly lines under uh, words in presentation. So a PowerPoint presentation that has red squiggly lines just sends me over the top because it, it's a sign that... Um, the individual didn't take the time to either spell check or pay attention to the red squiggly line. Uh, that's, you know, a couple of my big quirks that the folks that work for me all know. I love that this is part of their training, you know, or, or maybe we should say warnings. They're, they're warned. Let's call it onboarding. Onboarding. That's, again, a fancy way of saying he's rigid. <laughs> so when you get the red squiggly lines in a PowerPoint, what is your reaction? Um it just bothers me. I don't know why. It's just like, it's just a lack of attention to detail that drives me nuts, I guess. That Do you have like, to fix it? Encourage you to yes, go in there? And I will. Yes. Okay. I will either encourage the individual to fix it before it's sent on again, or I will fix it. If it's like something that has been sent to me that I will deliver, I would certainly fix the red squiggly lines before I forwarded it on. You know how bad I want to create a PowerPoint, send it to you <laughs> with red squiggly lines. Now, getting back to the timeliness again, how are we friends? I don't abide by the five minutes early or your late rule. In fact, I'm like, give me the grace period of 10 minutes after. And that was one conversation that I overheard <laughs> you all on the radio talking about one time. And it, yes. again, it was like, that is just not even in my vocabulary. And and my wife and I have been married 29 years and a great relationship, but she uh, tests my patience occasionally on timeliness. <laughs> and again, if, in my opinion, if, if you're not five minutes early, 
you're pushing the envelope to be late. And um, she doesn't really share that opinion and, and squeaks in at the, the right on time, which again is making me nervous. But So I was on the money with this podcast. So technically in your eyes, I was late. Uh, well, with you, I was impressed that you were right <laughs> on the money. So hey, that was a great again, start to this conversation. I have, I've told people you're my friend. <laughs> you're not giving me any, any compliments here. Where did, who instilled the timeliness thing in you? Uh, I think it's always been a thing, uh, with me just in my professional life for sure. Um, but my father-in-law, uh, just passed recently, but my father-in-law was the exact same way. And I'm not quite that bad, but I'm definitely a pacer at five minutes before time to leave. I'll be pacing at the bottom of the stairs and I know my wife can hear me. I love that. You know, I have uh, made a little note of this because we are good friends. We've been friends for so many years and I'm dear friends, best friends with your wife. And so when we have plans, I have made a mental note and told Greg, you know, they're coming to pick us up at six o'clock for dinner. We have to be ready at 545. And for me, that's hard to do. That does not happen. But I really work at that. And if you remember when you pulled in last time you came to pick me up and I was out the door in seconds, you know, I wanted it known. I'm in the back seat waiting. Greg's not ready. <laughs> Very impressed. Thank you. So I'm joined by Jim for our episode, uh, Things We Don't Talk About. And one of the other things that you actually revealed recently when I, I saw you just a week or so ago, and that is that you count steps. I do, but not every time. It's an, it's an occasional thing for me. It's, it's not like red squiggly lines that drive me nuts um, or milk, but I definitely catch myself occasionally counting steps. So, okay. So you've admitted that you are structured. I call it rigid. People who are rigid often thrive on routine. I would imagine that's a yes for you. Absolutely. Do you follow the same routine every day? I would say I'm not as structured in that way. I, I tend to, I guess I, you know, get up at a certain time just to be at work, but it's not that I can't deviate from it. It's just, you know, work gets me up at a certain time every morning but on weekends, if I'm not playing golf in the mornings, then I can sleep in or whatever. I don't have to get up and do certain things in a certain order. Sounds like you're a little more relaxed about that then. What about yeah, foods on your plate? Can they touch? Oh, absolutely. Mix them up, touch, don't care. Oh, really? You don't have to eat yeah. one at a time? No. Uh -uh. no. Okay. I do like to eat my salad before. I kind <laughs> of like even at home. I would prefer to have my salad first, like I'm in a restaurant and then <laughs> dinner. <laughs> so, oh, you make me laugh. Sure. I am very structured that way. That is your preference. Um, how are you when it comes to going with the flow? Let's say you had your day planned and then something changes. Can you do an about face easily or is that upsetting? I guess it would depend on what it is. I, it wouldn't be upsetting as long as it's not Something that I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that would not bother me at all. Totally fine. Not an issue. It's interesting. You're super like regimented about some items and then other items, you're whatever, whatever works. And it seems like you can, uh, you know, go left or right. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I don't know why certain things are my trigger, I guess. I don't yeah, know, but I guess we all have uh, them. I would say for the most part, I, I'm fairly easygoing and, and, flow with whatever's going on. I like that you think that about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm not sure I'm going to agree with that 100%. <laughs> but I appreciate the effort and the confidence. I do love someone with confidence. Okay, so for those who don't know my friend Jim Dahl right now, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. And I want you just to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, a character trait that you wish you had. More patience. A place that you would still like to visit. Uh, Galapagos Islands. What about the age when you really felt like a grown-up? 36. Because I can remember as a child that I would be 36 in the year 2000. And that seemed so old when I was, you know, old enough to realize that 2000 was a big deal, blah, blah, blah. When it happened, I felt, A, very old and just kind of like, wow, you know, a vivid childhood memory has now come true. I'm 36. It's the year 2000. And um, that was, that bothered me more than 40, 50, 55, not quite to 60 yet. So that's interesting. So it really wasn't about the age as it was that you were living in 2000. Yep. That's interesting. I love that you remember that childhood memory all these years later. Yeah, it was very vivid to me that, and again, 40, 50 didn't bother me at all. Um, but 36 was like, wow. That's hilarious. Speaking of age, what is an age that you miss? Probably like 25 out of college. I had fun in college, but finished at IUPUI. So it wasn't a normal like college experience. Started at Hanover College, which was a normal college experience and probably had a little too much fun and finished at IEPY. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so, but 25, like that post-college time, you know, having fun, had some money, had a good job for that age. And it was just a fun time. What about a, a friend that you wish you still spoke to? Uh, that would be my father-in-law. You guys were very close. Very close. I know you have many talents, Jim, something that you're good at. I guess I don't know that I'm, I think I'm fairly decent at golf. So I would say that uh, compared to my son, I'm not very good at all, but for <laughs> a 57 year old guy, that's never really taken lessons. I feel like I'm pretty good at golf. What about the time of day when you feel your best? Boy, I guess I would say five or six o'clock after work, having dinner, maybe a drink, glass of wine, bourbon, something like that. That's usually where I'm trying to stay awake. I can't believe you said <laughs> later in the day. <laughs> guess we're all different. And then finally, um, for this rapid fire segment, a role model in your life. I would probably say my father-in-law again. I'm not big on like heroes, sports heroes, um, but Arnold Palmer, big fan I have in my office. I think I have 12 uh, flags, golf flags signed by him from courses all over the country. So from a celebrity standpoint, I would say Arnold Palmer, but I re really don't have heroes, I guess. Personally, I would say my father-in-law. Tell me something about him that most would not know. Um, he was very insecure. And until his passing in December, I really didn't know that. I, I, there were hints of stuff in the background of his life and some conversations we had, but socially, he was very insecure. And I never, ever knew that. Don't you find that ironic that you just shared that on an episode of things we don't talk about? Yes. And I mean, I've known him for 31 years and uh, never knew that in a social situation with, you know, my mother-in-law and their friends, he was always very insecure. Wow. 
makes you wonder what he you know was going through yes. in that setting. Exactly. I want to share this because we've had some fun chatting, but um, I'm going to actually pay you a big compliment, Jim. I know you can be an easy target at times, and myself included. Uh, for those that don't know, and we'll get to this actually in a different episode, but um, in the book that I'm writing, in the section that kind of gives my bio, uh, I describe myself as disheveled, and um, I'm okay with saying that, but I actually got the word from you, Jim, who shared that with me. I think it was around my 40th birthday. Does that sound right? That sounds about right. Yeah. And we'll get into that at another time. However, you've always been very honest with me. And there was a time, if you recall, when you came over, you and and your wife, Tina, my friend, Tina came over for dinner and, you know, we both have two boys. Yours are a little bit older than mine. And so I always got great advice from Tina regarding, you know, raising boys. And, um, but my boys were at that time, you know, bouncing off the walls. And I don't know if you remember this, but we were sitting in the front, I, I call it the living room or the piano room. And it was that moment where I don't think we knew each other that well, and they kept interrupting and they were loud and all boy moms go through this where you worry that it reflects back on your parenting. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. Like, this is going to be a one and done. They're never coming back. (laughs) And you must've been able to pick up on it because I tried to be discreet about it, but I think that you picked up on the fact that I was nervous or worried. You stopped me right in my tracks. Oh, always remember this. And you said, hey listen, we have boys, we get it. We've been there and you don't need to worry about it. And I just, actually you ended it with, we know you guys are good parents. And I really, I've always, I've always appreciated that. And I thought it was a very sweet thing because we've always been very sarcastic as friends. Um, But I think that's one of those things you worry that there's going to be judgment from your adult friends. And I knew then that even despite me being late quite a bit, that we would always be (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> buddies, because I just thought that was very heartfelt and sweet. So I want to say thank you. I don't know if I ever even thanked you 13 to 14 years ago, but I appreciated that. Well, thank you. That is going to lead me into the next segment. And it's something that I mentioned in our first uh, podcast episode that I want to, from time to time, have have guests on and mention um, some fun things about them. But I want to end it with a segment called Find Your Story. Because every time we go to a party, and you've you've done this, Jim, when you're a guest somewhere and people, you meet somebody new for the first time, what do they always say? You know, hi, what's your name? What do you do? Unfortunately, I think we get defined by what we do uh, more than who we are. And so find your story is not about, you know, what you do for a living, whether you're an accountant or a teacher or a nurse, but it's more about what inspires you? What do you want to be remembered for? Those type of things. And so I have some questions that will kind of lead us into that. So one of them would be, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Uh, I've referenced art quite a bit in this uh, conversation, but um, just to be honest and the best person you can be. Art, my father-in-law always said to me, he goes, my advice is worth what you paid for it, which is nothing. Oh, wow. and which I always thought was an interesting way that he would, you know, give me his advice, but he didn't necessarily expect me to act on it because his advice is worth nothing because it's what I paid him for it. Right. Um, so I always think about that. And, um, and like I said before, miss him, miss him dearly. He sounds like a very uh, deep, thoughtful man. Yes. And uh, I love, I love that advice and that quote. Um, what do you want to be remembered for? And I know you'll relate to this, Jim, but I often tell my husband, no one will say at his funeral that he loaded one hell of a dishwasher. Although his response to that recently was, well, they should, because he <laughs> believes there's a right and a wrong way to load a dishwasher. But my point to him was, 
there are bigger things than dishwashers in life. And I know that you like your dishwasher loaded a certain way as well, but what do you want to be remembered for? I guess first and foremost, just to be uh, remembered as a good husband and a good father or a great husband and a great father. Um, As you know, knowing us, my wife is my world and our two boys are are second behind um, my wife for Mm -hmm. sure. And a good friend, uh, you know, you've referenced some things and then uh, really important to me as I get older, I guess, is to be a really good coworker and leader. I've got, you know, probably 30, 35 people that work for me in my business. And um, I want to be a good leader to them and, and show them the right things to do. And, and I take time on all of their birthdays and, if they buy a house or get engaged or whatever, I hand write a note to them. And so I, on average, I'm sending one or so a week out to them. Yeah. I think it's a lost art to, to send, you know, it's easy to shoot them a text and say happy birthday, but to get a note in the the mail for their birthday or for uh, getting engaged or buying a house or getting a dog or a dog passes away, whatever it is. I just, Take five minutes, write a note, throw it in the mail and send it to them. I think that's excellent. You know, I remember my first boss that I loved so much. One of the reasons I loved him is because he took the time to do those things. And you're right. It is a lost art. So I think next on your list would be um, letting those red squiggly lines. Just, just overlooking let those. Do yeah, let just right. overlooking those. And once we get there, I think we've, we've achieved <laughs> that great leader status. So since this segment is titled Find Your Story, I'd like to ask you, Jim, what would one chapter in your book be titled? Oh, let's see. I guess the title would be My Life in Five Words. And then under that, it would probably read Family, Friends, Golf, Work, and Bourbon. (laughs) Got to get the fun one in there too, Bourbon. (laughs) Well, I was going to end it with finally, what is your story? But I think you might have just summed it up. I would end it by saying... You know, find time to enjoy life. And uh, as you know, Deb, and and we know uh, with recent losses, life is way too short and you've got to enjoy every day. Gosh, you are the perfect first guest for my Find Your Story segment. I appreciate you being here and um, wouldn't have wanted it to be with anybody else, a friend for so many years. So thank you for being here. And it's also a great reason to uh, remind people that we will come back and I'm going to have you on the show again so we can talk about uh, my birthday present that you gave me, which was verbal and telling me I was disheveled. And I know that a lot of people will be like, you weren't offended. I've actually been asked that before. And I wasn't offended because it was very eye-opening and it led me to uh, a doctor's visit that was very important uh, down the road. So we will reconvene and circle back to that. But thank you so much for your time and for being here and sharing with us things that most people don't talk about. Well, thanks, Deb. I appreciate it. You can also get two chapters of the book that I'm writing absolutely free. Just go to Deborah Honeycutt Media on Instagram. You'll be able to grab those there and I'll send you a quick download. And thank you for being here. Appreciate it. It's Deborah Honeycutt on three hours of sleep. Have a great day. <laughs>